chapter 1, the New Testament book of Colossians chapter 1, I thought, my goodness, we ought to at least read the Christmas story out of Luke, but we'll do that tonight, okay, in our candlelight service at 6 o'clock tonight, so we hope you can be back for that. But I invite you to turn with me for a few minutes this morning to Colossians chapter 1, and I'd like to just challenge our hearts this morning as we celebrate Christmas with this thought, a Christmas commitment, a Christmas commitment. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer, and then we'll look at some verses in the New Testament book of Colossians chapter 1. Father, we thank you for the joy of being assembled together today. We thank you for the Sunday school hour, the fellowship, prayer time, and study of your word. We thank you, God, for this service, the fellowship, and the the ministry of just been together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we thank you, God, for the wonderful music today, the instruments, the congregational singing, the choir, and the special by uh, Mary. Lord, we just pray now as we open up your word that the Holy Spirit will give freedom and liberty. You love us. You know every person. You know the need of each heart and life here today. And God, we just ask for your will to be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles open to Colossians chapter 1, let me just read one verse for now, and then we'll read some more as we get into the message. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 18. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 18. And he, that is Jesus, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. That he, Jesus, might have the preeminence. How many of you have already watched that classic Christmas movie again this year, It's a Wonderful Life. Any of you ever already watched it this year? <laughs> I see a few. Some of you like this. You don't want to admit it, do you? How many of you are planning to watch that before this Christmas? Eve? All right. We never get tired of watching it, do we? It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have no idea what movie I'm talking about? You're going to tell. It's a Wonderful Life starring Jimmy Stewart. Y'all don't know? Shame on you, Roger Hart. Okay, you make sure he sees that movie. And uh, and uh, it, it raises the question, uh, I'd be better off dead. And the other question is, the world would have been better off had I never been born. And it shows, what would, would it have been like if I had never been born? And I suppose one of the reasons that that movie is so good is because to some degree, I suppose every one of us, in one way or another, ask ourselves that question or thought about that. What if I had never been born? In the little corner of the world that I live in, has my life really made a difference? And by the way, the truth is, every person, either negatively or positively, either good or bad, has some amount of influence on their little corner of the world, don't they? And I think that's why we like that movie so well is because it, it, it reminds us that maybe by the grace and mercy of God, uh, God brought us into this world. He had a purpose for our lives and maybe it accomplished something good somewhere. 
But some people have the privilege in life and responsibility of not just influencing their own little corner of the world. Some can influence a whole nation. And some along the way have influenced the whole wide world. That's amazing, isn't it? The power of influence. Now down through the years, we've all heard this read many times. A little essay that was taken from a sermon back in the early 1900s. And this little essay is called One Solitary Life. Talking about Jesus, but it shows the influence of just one life. Let me read it real quick. Talking about Jesus. One Solitary Life. Here is a man who was born in in an obscure village. The child of one who was considered a peasant woman. And he grew up in another lowly village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three short years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never went to college. He never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed upon a cross between two thieves. And While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his only piece of property, his coat. And when he was dead... He was laid in a borrowed tomb through the pity of a friend. Over 20 centuries have come and gone, and today he is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. I am far from within the mark when I say that all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever been built, all the parliaments that have ever set, and all the kings that have ever reigned, all put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as that one solitary life of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Now, we would add to that as Bible-believing Christians, as important as that one solitary life is, the influence of His death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. Someone... And I suppose someone has asked this question in every generation. What if Jesus had never been born? What if Jesus had never left the ivory palaces of heaven and come down here to earth? Someone put it in these words. What was it about his life, his miracles, his message, and his church that have left such a huge impact on the world in a way that no one and nothing else can ever match? What made Jesus so special that even the timeline of history is divided on either side of his birth, B.C. or A.D.? It's easy to take it all for granted. But if he had never been born, where would we be today? Where would we be without the vast network of Christian families, churches, hospitals, schools, universities, business leaders, and statesmen who set America on its Judeo-Christian foundation From the earliest settlers to our founding fathers, a vibrant and powerful network that continues to thrive even to this day. 
Where would we be without all the historic heroes of the faith? Or where would we be without today's champions who continue to stand up and speak out for the sanctity of life, for a natural marriage between only one man and one woman, and speak out for the free exercise of our Christian beliefs? Where would we be today without pastors, evangelists, missionaries who proclaim the good news of the gospel in our local churches and who also carry it to the farthest corners of the world as Jesus commanded us in the Great Commission? In addition, if he had never been born, might we be governed today by godless men who rule by brute force and who leave rivers of blood in their wake, men like Hitler and Stalin? Against that background, we can indeed celebrate Christmas today with a greater appreciation of the way Jesus, his disciples, and his church have turned the world upside down calling all men to himself that they might be saved from the penalty and power of sin and be given forgiveness and eternal life. Can you say amen to that? Oh, the spiritual blessings we have in Christ as well as all the blessings we have in our world and our nation. I want you to notice here in Colossians chapter 2 with me very quickly this morning, or chapter chapter 1, I'm sorry. I want you to notice that three times the word body is mentioned. And I want to challenge us as we, and as I just read, we have so much to celebrate when we think of Christ coming into this world and living a sinless life and going to the cross and dying. But hopefully that Christmas celebration will lead us to a Christmas commitment. Celebration is wonderful if that celebration will lead to dedication, amen, and devotion. And we hope and pray that's what will happen over this Christmas season in our hearts and lives. First of all, I want you to notice the body of Christ. Would you notice in verse 20 of Colossians chapter 1 it says, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20 And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether it be things in earth or things in heaven, and you and I, that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Watch verse 22. In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, and unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. In Sunday school this morning, in the adult class here in the auditorium, we were studying in Hebrews chapter 10, where the Lord Jesus Christ said and reminded us that all the Old Testament sacrifices and all the blood of animals and bulls and goats could not forgive us of our sins and could not wash one sin away. But in Hebrews chapter 10, The prophecy that was given back in Psalm 40 was applied to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said, But thou hast prepared a body for me. And the whole volume of the book speaks of me. And he said, I have come to do the will of my Father. The book of Philippians teaches us that Jesus Christ, even himself, was obedient. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Not my will, but thine be done. We can't even begin to imagine the struggles 
the struggles, the spiritual struggles and the spiritual warfare that took place in the life of our Savior Jesus Christ. But in the book of Philippians, it says that he was obedient, he was committed, he was devoted, he was dedicated even unto death, even the death of the cross. He was truly born to die, wasn't he? If there had been no sin, Jesus Christ would have had no need to leave the ivory palaces of heaven. And by the way, let me quickly say that we believe Jesus was 100% man. He was just as much a human being as you are, as I am, but with one big exception, he had no sin nature. Amen. Every one of us was born into this world with a sin nature. Jesus had no sin nature. And he lived a sinless, spotless life, and that's why he could go to the cross in that body of flesh and blood and die in my place and die in your place there on the cross of Calvary. And that's what the writer of Hebrew, the writer of Colossians is reminding us here of the commitment of Jesus to come and, and in that body of flesh and go and make an atonement for our sins that we might find forgiveness as sinners alienated from God in a state of spiritual death. And the Bible still teaches that if you die physically and leave this life without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will spend an eternity separated from God in a place the Bible calls a lake of fire, a place called hell. That's how holy and righteous God is, and that's how horrible sin is. And the very fact that Jesus had to come and suffer and die on an old rugged cross ought to remind us it's not only a demonstration of God's love, it's a demonstration of God's holiness and the price that had to be paid for your sins and mine. What a picture of commitment. What a picture of love and devotion as we celebrate his birth. But remember, thank God it didn't end with a sweet little baby in Bethlehem's manger. But that baby grew and lived a sinless life and went to the cross and died for you and I. Then I want you to notice another body here that's mentioned in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 24. Which is sort of a in a way, a peculiar verse because it can lead you to false doctrine if you're not careful. By the way, you've got to be careful picking verses out of context and phrases out of context. You can just about teach anything, can't you? You have to keep every verse and phrase in the context of the whole Bible. But look at verse 24, Colossians 1.24. The Apostle Paul, we believe, is writing this. And the Holy Spirit leads Paul to say this in Colossians 1 verse 24, who now rejoice in my sufferings. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think the Holy Spirit would have to help you say something like that, wouldn't he? You know? Now, I can rejoice in all this candy some of you have been giving me. I don't know how in the world you expect me to lose weight. You know? I can enjoy the beauty of Christmas and all that, but rejoice in suffering? Look what Paul said. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, for your benefit, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh or my body. Now, in verse 24, Paul mentions his body, his flesh, his life here on earth. Paul's in prison. Paul's in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know there are people in jail today? There are people in parts of the world who are suffering and been tortured and are in prison. 
for meeting and assembling together like we are right here. Paul was in prison. And he said, hey, you know what? I, I counted as the apostles in the book of Acts. I counted an honor that I can suffer. I'm not in prison because I broke the law or I committed a crime. I'm in prison for doing what God called me to do, for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I counted a word worthy to suffer for Jesus and to suffer for the benefit of those of you who've heard the gospel and are saved. Amen. Several years ago, many years ago, well, quite a few years ago, I remember as a 18, 19-year-old young man, we had a couple would come to our church every year and conduct vacation Bible school for us. Dick and Rose Semino starts with a C. They had a printing ministry down on the border of Texas and they printed literature and gave it to missionaries. He was in a wheelchair and she conducted the Bible school under his leadership. That's where we learn how to have a penny offering. You know how we take our penny offering with the scales the boys against the girls and so forth. And I remember, and boy, it just, I remember Mrs. Semino standing up during vacation Bible school and she'd say, Boys and girls, how many of you brought something for Jesus tonight? And by the way, all the offerings went to help print this literature to get out to missionaries. And most of the boys and girls would raise their hands because they brought pennies and, you know, and they were excited about the competition on the scale. But there were, and then they would take their hands and she'd say, is there any boy or girl here tonight who didn't bring anything for Jesus? And there would always be at least one, two, or maybe a half a dozen or ten or kids that would raise their hand. And she'd say, you were not able to bring anything. And they would look down sad. And, they, they, and she said, oh, yes, you do. Yes, you have something to give Jesus. As a matter of fact, you have the most important thing that anyone could ever give to Jesus. And these little boys and girls, their eyes would open and they'd get big. I do? I don't, and they're thinking, I don't have a penny, a nickel, a dime. And I've got something. And she'd say, give yourself to Jesus. Give yourself to Jesus. You know what? I think God was speaking to me. Not just those little boys and girls in vacation Bible school. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul said, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Would I be willing to die for Christ? If things happen in America someday as they are in parts of the world, I would hope that at that moment God would give me grace to die for him. But the big question is, am I willing to live for him? Amen. Present your bodies, your lives, a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service in finding God's will for your life. That's commitment, Evan. That's commitment. I remember one time standing in a church service and I think these things mean a lot to me because God was speaking to my heart. And I was standing there beside another gentleman. We were talking. And a teenage boy, a high schooler, came walking by. I used to joke about this. He had one of those, you could tell he's a football player, a weightlifter. Had that V chest, you know. I don't know if he sucked his gut in or what, but I used to say, it's kind of how I would look if I took my coat off, but I'm not going to do that, you know. 
strong, healthy football. And he walked by, and the gentleman I was standing by reached out and pat him on the shoulder and called him by his name and said, hey, how's it going? Oh, you know how teenage, it's going okay. You know, school going okay. You're playing football. Yeah, playing football, lifting weights. Boy, God's given you a great body, hasn't he? Yeah. Healthy, yeah. What are you going to do with that body? What are you going to do with that energy? You know, God has a will and a plan for your life. Would you give it all to him? Would you give that body and that youth and that energy to him? He's got a will and a plan for your life. Well, I stood there. And as this gentleman was talking to that high schooler, I thought, boy, I, I need that. I may not be a weightlifter and a football player, but hey, God has a will and a plan for my life. That's called commitment. It's called devotion, isn't it? And here's Paul. And Paul is saying, hey, I may be in prison. I may be suffering. But if God through this can accomplish His will and the gospel can be gotten out and souls can be saved and Christians can be ministered to, I rejoice in God's will being done. Amen. So, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, God leaving in the doctrine of the incarnation, who can comprehend it? God coming down here and taking upon Him a body of flesh and going to the cross of Calvary, and God's given you and me the gift of physical life and given us a body. And God has a will and a purpose and a plan for each one of us. Now notice a third body real quick. Again, verse 24. Colossians 1.24 Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for His body's sake, which is the church. We saw Christ's body. He had to have a body to go to the cross. We saw the Christian's body, Paul's body. And Paul is saying here, Jesus Christ ascended back to heaven. But as we were reminded, as Steve took us through the book of Acts recently on Sunday night, God's work, the work of Jesus Christ didn't end when he went back to heaven, did it? The work went right on by the Holy Spirit working through bodies. Christ's body was no longer here on earth, but he needed a body to work through. And he needed your body, and your body, and your body, and my body. Not that we're a bunch of little Jesuses running around here, but the Holy Spirit still, for 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit has been the first generation we read about in the book of Acts. And the rest of those 2,000 years, generations have come and gone. And the Holy Spirit of God has continued what Jesus started, but He needed bodies, He needed people, just like you and me, and just like the Apostle Paul. And what has Jesus been doing? He's been putting together a body in verse 24 that's called His church. His church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, boy, Paul really elaborates on this and he says, every true born-again child of God makes up the body of Christ. I had a lady one time told me, you know, sometimes we feel sorry for ourselves. She said, I guess I'm just an armpit in the body of Christ. 
I said, well, thank God. I don't know. You, good thing your body's got an armpit. I'm not sure. Which, I guess it just holds everything together. Just spray some deodorant on yourself and be satisfied being an armpit for the glory of God. Amen. You know, Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there's no important parts in the body of Christ. It's all important. Amen. Apostle Paul was saying, hey, if God can use me to get the gospel out that another, another sinner can be saved and be baptized into the body of Christ, if God can use me to help those who are saved to grow in the body of Christ and mature in the body of Christ and become stronger, whether it's the mountaintop or the valley, oh, that God would just take me and use me for His honor and glory. Yes, I hope and pray that this will be a wonderful, wonderful Christmas season for all of us as we celebrate. But let's let this celebration be used of God to produce some dedication, devotion, and commitment. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, why don't you just take Him at His word? Why don't you just call upon the name of the Lord and receive Him as your Savior and find forgiveness of sins and joy and peace that only Jesus Christ can give you? And if you're here as a born-again Christian, do you know that God has a purpose and a plan for you? That's right. And it doesn't matter whether you're a teenager playing football or whether you're the oldest person here with whatever days and months and years you have left, God has a plan and a purpose for you. Maybe during this Christmas season, God can get a hold of our hearts and just help us to be a little bit more committed and a little bit more devoted and a little bit more dedicated. Would you, in closing today, look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul makes a wonderful statement about Jesus in Colossians 2 verse 3. says, In whom, that's Jesus, are hid or deposit all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We all like to receive gifts, don't we? I don't like to shop. I don't even like to shop for... You know, I went... I was trying to find a new suit just to, you know, wear the same two all the time. And it gets so aggravating. I bought three shirts. My wife and I bought three shirts. They all had the same size on them, and all three of them fit different. One, same brand. One was too small, one was too big, and the other one just was in there somewhere medium. And I thought, okay, I'll keep one out of the three. I can go pick out three pair of pants. They all say the same size, same brand, and one's too long, one's too short, one's too baggy. You know? What's wrong with our world? Life used to be so simple. I hate to shop for myself, much less for you. You know? <laughs> but we all like to give. There's a joy in giving. There's a joy in receiving. But do we realize this morning that all the gifts in the world put together aren't even be worth comparing to the gift of Jesus Christ, in whom are hid all the all the treasures, <laughs> all the riches of all the wisdom and all the knowledge in this world. Wow! 
all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. No wonder the Apostle Paul said in writing to the Corinthians, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. His unspeakable gift. And I believe he was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, he offers you forgiveness and eternal life. And folk, young people, mom, dad, grandpa, grandmas, give it all to Jesus. Amen. Live for Him. Serve Him. Use the talents and abilities that God's given you to get out the gospel and carry on the ministry and serve God. And it will be worth it all when you see Jesus. It'll be worth it in this life. Amen. And it'll surely be worth it when you see Jesus one day. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? A Christmas celebration that hopefully leads to a Christmas commitment. Father, speak to our hearts today, our precious children, young people, moms and dads, to the oldest person here. With whatever life we have left in this world, O oh God, help us to lay it all on the altar and give it to you. Take us and use us. We don't deserve it. But in your mercy and grace, O oh God, take us and use us to accomplish your will and purposes. And we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. And I want you to make a decision in your heart and life right now. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and the pianist begins to play softly on the piano, here's what I want you to do. If you're not a born-again Christian, you're not saved, you don't want to spend an eternity in a place the Bible calls hell. Would you come to Christ? Right where you stand, reach out with a repentant heart and put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you need somebody to pray with you and help you, would you just nudge the person beside of you and come out to the aisle. I'll meet you here at the front. You tell me what's on your heart. We'll have one of our men or one of our ladies pray with you and help you. Please don't leave this building today without knowing for sure that your sins have been washed away with the blood of Christ and you're covered with His righteousness. And you're ready to see Jesus one day in heaven. I beg you, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And I challenge every one of us today. In your heart right now, would you just lift your heart and praise and worship. And say, oh Jesus, it's your birthday we're celebrating. And I want to give you the best I have. That's me. Teenager, would you do that right now? Children, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, would you truly in your heart, sincerely, say, Jesus, here I am. I really want you to take me and use me for your honor and your glory. And ask the pianist to play one more verse and that'll be all. We can help you. Please let us know.
And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Thank you for coming today. Be sure and check the Christmas cards out. And if you're visiting, go by the table and get a CD. Be back tonight. I know the service will be a blessing to your heart. Be careful. Have a great day. If we can help you anyway at all, please let us know. Good day. God bless you. Thank you.